0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 176 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening for record-keeping purposes. It's about 9 o'clock Eastern, so when and if a trade breaks during or after this podcast, you will know that we caused this the, the trade to happen, because that's, that's kind of our track record in the past. But uh, joining me on this episode that could be re- re-recorded at any point in time <laughs> is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man?
1: What's up, Brad? Yeah, it was nice to finally get a little bit of movement, at least nationally, uh, with some trades today. And obviously, we're less than 72 hours to go until the deadline on Wednesday. So hopefully these final three days are, are action-packed, and, and not just in Atlanta, but across the league, because nobody wants to see another dreadful uh, trade deadline after sitting through that winter we just all sat through.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, for the most part, most of the big deals – Could wait until Wednesday. That's kind of usually what happens is you might get one or two early. We got one today with Marcus Stroman going to the Mets in a truly bizarre transaction that no one understands. Like I saw a clip of Jeff Passan of ESPN reacting on the air and was kind of like, you know, my phone's blowing up with people and trying to figure out what the Mets are doing because the Mets are buying... Maybe, which is bizarre for a team in their spot. Uh, the Mets are eleven and a half games out of the Eastern of the uh, behind the Braves in the East, and they just went and bought a good starting pitcher, which is interesting. But that's one that's one name off the market for the Braves. But I, you know, as you mentioned, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Is a deadline. We will talk about that um, a lot on this podcast, I would imagine. But we have to start on some less than ideal news. a Couple of injuries, one of which is more high, high profile than the other. But Nick Markakis and Dansby Swanson are both on the uh, on the injured list now. Markakis is the big one, and that he uh, suffered a fractured wrist. It looks like it's going to be six to eight weeks from what the team is saying at this point. No surgery, which is a good thing, but six to eight weeks is a long, long time when you're talking about it already being almost August now. So you're talking about September at the absolute earliest for Marquecas to be back. And, you know, we talked about him quite a bit on this podcast. We have reputations of being uh, pretty low on Marquecas compared to some people at the same time, he's been having a nice year at the plate. He's been helpful at the plate, to be sure, and he's a veteran and all that stuff at the Braves. You know, everyone in the clubhouse, you saw all the reactions after the injury happened. Uh, sort of a sort of a heartbroken clubhouse between Freddie Freeman and Snicker and everybody that talked. Um, kind of just brutal timing. I mean, I guess the timing is better in some ways because it happened before the deadline than after. If they want to go out and replace some of that production, they are able to do so, but still um, not ideal for a guy who basically never gets hurt. He hadn't been on the, on the, on the I.L. since 2012, which is... Pretty crazy. So um, let's just start there. What'd you make of that? Obviously, just kind of a freak, a freak accident. But he's going to be on for a while, and the Braves have to address what they're going to do uh, in the corner outfield spot. We've, we now have two games of a sample as to what they're going to do, but um, lots of lots of stuff to talk about moving
1: forward. Yeah, it's a real shame. I mean, as you said, Nick Marqueque is flaws and all. He's a guy who, for the last five and a half years, has shown up to play every single day. Um, as you mentioned, after the game, a couple of the beat writers said that even though the Braves won and what would normally be a pretty jubilant clubhouse was pretty sad and pretty mellow with, with knowing that Markekis had a pretty serious injury. Um, so a guy who sat, who played through and brought it all uh, during some tough times, it is a shame to see him go down uh, w- with about two months to go in the season. As you mentioned, no surgery, which is good if you have surgery. It, it would have effectively shut down his twenty nineteen so the fact that he could come back here and in, in maybe the middle of September is probably a reasonable timetable is is a good thing um It is worth noting, and you and I both made mention of this it's from the braves perspective, it's fortunate that if this injury was going to happen, it happened this past week instead of next week because you know after Wednesday at four o'clock eastern. Uh, those are set rosters. I mean, it's just kind of weird with it being the first year of the one and only trade trade deadline on yeah, July thirty first. It's 31. important to put that out
0: re- repeatedly. By the way, that this is this is it. There's none none, none of the crazy waverness uh, that there's been in the past. This, this is going to be the uh, the one and only shot this year to uh, go out and make a trade.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I know people have talked about, well, some teams, if they're on the if they're on the bubble of contending, they would use August to kind of see where they're at. But I mean, historically, if teams had an injury in August, it was really easy to go out and find a stopgap, whether it was for the end of the season or even just a couple weeks. If you knew you were going to be without your second baseman for a month, uh, you go out and, and you try to get a second baseman through waivers and you you throw a C-level prospect just to kind of fill the hole until your guy gets back. I mean, again, as of four Eastern on Wednesday. You cannot add anybody to your organization, which is just crazy. So, um, yeah, it's really it's 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 a shame for Nick. I hope his his wrist is able to recover uh, quickly. As he said, it it got him flush on the wrist, and whenever you whenever it seems like whenever you have those injuries where the batters turn into the ball, um, it, it it's usually the worst. And and he immediately knew the way he's hunched over. And and after the game, of course, after he was pulled, he he they had a pretty good idea it wasn't going to be a, a good good outcome. Uh, even before he was able to see a doctor and get x-rays and all that good stuff. So uh, it's a real shame. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he's able to come back. And in the meantime, uh, it did give Alex Anthopoulos and co uh, about five days really to kind of figure out what they were going to do uh, with that outfield spot, both of their internal options and, and both external as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, on the field, we talk about the off-field clubhouse stuff with Markekis. It's something he's well-renowned for. Everybody loves him. Fortunately, he'll still be around, so he can sort of bring that stuff to the table. But, you know, on the field... He was still the best hitting option in a corner outfield spot, aside from Ronald Acuna, if he plays in the corner outfield spot against right handed pitching this year. Um, you know, a 119 WRC plus for the season against right handed pitching. He's still been very good at the plate against righties this season. Uh, he does have the obvious flaws in some other ways. Defensively, not been ideal against lefties. He's really struggled this year, but still brings value with the way that he's been playing this season if optimized um, correctly. So th- that's a loss, obviously. Um, and, you know, the downgrade is going to be interesting to follow here. Obviously, the early. Returns on Adam Duvall and uh, Ender Enciarte and in the last couple days have been pretty good. Duval sort of announced his presence with, with authority on um, on Saturday with the home run. He's he's the same guy he's always been. That's something that I want to talk about real quickly. Is that you know we were we were famously high on Duvall last year when he was truly dreadful um, in his Atlanta stint over about a month. Uh, he was absolutely awful, but um, you know people gave up on him as this complete bust, et cetera, et cetera. And I've just never been that way. At the same time. I also don't think that he's suddenly a different guy than he was two years ago. Now, in a better way, like he he mashed in Gwinnett, but it's it's in Gwinnett, um, and he has power. He's a, he's a flawed guy. He also has real strengths. He's a good he's a good defender. He has power. Uh, never never going to hit for average, obviously. I think some people have overplayed his splits. Like he's actually a career. Pretty flat platoon split guy. Like he's a little bit better against left handed pitching than right handed pitching, but you know there there really is only one guy on this bench now that's like a true platoon split guy. It's Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce mashes right handed pitching and cannot hit lefties at all. Um, Duval is not really a lefty masher in the way that might be optimal. Like if they had a pure split with Duval and Joyce, it actually might be awesome. But Duval is more straight across the board. But I mean, he's the obvious. Discussion point here. You do have Enron who has been playing and is going to play now, I think, a lot, especially against right-handed pitching. Uh, he probably is the best option because of his defense and the fact you can remove Ron Acuna. To the corner outfield spot, but you know, what do you make of Adam Duvall? Like, give, give people a, a refresher course on your thoughts about Adam Duvall. And you know, there was this notion that he was like almost trying out for a spot in the next few days, which I, which I found to be insane. I talked about this in our Slack chat actually a little bit over the weekend. I was like, there was some of the reporting like, oh, the Rays want to see what, he, what, what what Duvall can do over the next couple of days. I'm like, wait, so it's a 10 plate appearance sample size to see what he can do? Uh, he's the same guy he's always been. That's my takeaway. But uh, what do you make of Adam Duvall as an option? And, we'll, and then we'll we'll go through the rest of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it was about this time a year ago that they traded for him and he was a player that I think most people thought it was a worthwhile gamble and he was so bad last year. So it's not hard to see why people were kind of down on him. And, and even in the off season, when they, when they signed him and, or, uh, tendered him a contract and kept him around for 3 million bucks or whatever it was, there was reason to ask, you know, what exactly they were doing now. Sure. He went on to hit 30 homers in AAA with where they're more or less, you know, throwing golf balls down there because of, of the way they're. Fl- I mean, I, yeah, the numbers.
0: I uh, don't, I don't really care about his home run numbers in Gwinnett. It's like yeah. he, he has power, and everybody knows that. So I'm not really uh, taking too much notice of that. The guy hit thir- the guy hit 33 and 31 homers in back to back seasons in the major leagues. Uh, that matters a lot more than Gwinnett. But yeah, it's uh, worth noting that the power numbers in Gwinnett are a little bit off.
1: Yeah. So you know, sure, you're not going to judge a guy solely on the home run numbers, but as you said he was somebody who had a track record a guy who's been a successful big leaguer he's a pretty good defender um can hit for some power not just uh and and while he struck out a lot last year he's a guy who historically hasn't had a ton of swing and miss problems so uh yeah it's not as if they, they're bringing up some 30 year old journeyman from the minor leagues who's never seen big league pitching before and they're hoping he can hold things down for six weeks until Nick comes back. Um, he's a guy who obviously they liked a year ago and and they liked him enough to keep him around at a, a pretty modest salary, of course, but to keep him around as, as organizational depth. So as you said, he's off to a good start. He homered and was, I think three for five on Saturday night and, uh, was okay today against Aaron Nolan a day where the offense really didn't have much of anything going until late. Um, not ideal. I don't necessarily think we want an Adam Duvall, Matt Joyce, uh, platoon in in right or left field for the next month and a half two months especially if nick isn't able to return this year if he has a uh, a setback in his recovery um i i personally thought there was a really good article this week that i think is worth reading and it was um from the 755 uh guys steven uh who goes by B outliers on twitter and just kind of talked about and used some quotes from alex Anthopoulos about you know this time of year every contender is looking for bullpen help. And most contenders are looking for starting rotation help. But what most contenders aren't necessarily looking for is a bat. And that's because generally teams can, if if you're good at this point, you probably have a good lineup. There's very few teams that have putrid lineups that are in the playoff hunt in, you know, at the end of July. So, he made the point even before the injuries happened that maybe the that what Alex and Thopoulos will do is kind of exploit where the market isn't as strong and go out and get a legitimate bat. Even before the Marcakis injury, I, I don't think anyone would kick and kick and scream too much if uh, the Braves went out and added yet another bat to, to bat behind Freddie and Donaldson and Acuna in that group. Um, I think it it just brings on even more of a need, especially as we don't know what Dansby Swanson's going to do as well with his heel injury. Um, I, I do think it, it would be worthwhile to add a bat of some kind over the next three days, uh, whether it be an outfielder or uh, somewhere else on the diamond.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind that at all either. I think we've obviously spent more time on the pitching staff because it's just, it's just more of a glaring knee. But I like that approach to like, you know, zig when everybody else is zagging kind of thing. Um, I do think it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough spot for Anthopolis right now because. You know, they don't absolutely have to get an outfielder. That's, that, that was something that I wanted to at least say on the record, at least in my opinion. It would be preferable if they made an upgrade, but they do have enough options where it won't be a full-on disaster if they don't add someone. They, you know, Arte for, for his flaws as well, has been a quality starting baseball player for the last several seasons and is now back. And um, I'm not sure he's going to hit like he has been the last couple of days, but he's been a second-half player. His defense is good, etc., I think against right handed pitching every day you can pretty much pencil an ender uh in the lineup. Uh, and that's totally fine. Against lefties, you don't want him out there. Um but I guess righty's with his career with his career numbers and his defense, that's a perfectly fine starting option. Um the problem is the rest of the guys are not terribly sexy. Austin Riley's been bad for a while, obviously. I'm not sure what you make of Austin Riley. Um my my opinion has always been um, that it's better for a guy like that who's a good prospect to play every day wherever he is. So there's an argument about going going back to Gwinnett for him, but when the Marquez uh, injury happened, it makes it harder to go ahead and do that with Riley. Um, and, but you also don't want to stun his development by just platooning him in the big leagues. It's kind of that's a rough spot um, in in and of itself. Matt Joyce is a great hitter against right handed pitching, but that's kind of all he can do. He's not really good at anything else defensively. Doesn't really hit left handed pitching either. Um, Johan Camargo is now playing shortstop um, for the moment. Um, he's been a mixed bag this year. He's been pretty bad this year, obviously. Um, pretty good last year, obviously, for uh, over the full season, but not a, not someone with a massive track record of success, just more, uh, it was about a year and a half where he was a good big leaguer, but before that, um, a mixed bag in terms of um, his pedigree, etc., he's been bad this season, you have Charlie Culberson, who is a fan favorite, who, who's really raked this year, but in very, very, very limited samples. Um, so, you have all these major league options, but none of them are ideal you know, starting playoff caliber players, aside from maybe NCRT against right-handed pitching. So, um, you know, it's not great. I I do think that if you're looking uh, to try to win the World Series, which is what the Braves' goal should be, albeit a lofty one, um, you can't really look at the lineup the last couple days and not cringe a little, I would say. Uh, Granted, it, it took two injuries to get there, but... And you have to think that Dansby will be back in the near future, based on what we've heard. You know, it seems like it's going to be pretty uh, a pretty quick recovery for Dansby Swanson. That definitely helps you, but he isn't like a absolute masher either. His his value is just kind of being solid across the board, and his power's been good this year, but his overall numbers have not been uh, ones that are going to blow you away. So, and, in some ways, not all that much has changed, because Markekis, I, I think, in some portions of the fan base, is, is an overrated player on the field, but... He is a better hitter than some of the guys that's going to that's gonna be replacing him so far. So it's just interesting. They're not in the greatest shape in the world. I'm not. It's not time to panic either. But there's not an ideal path. Like there's not a perfect platoon. I, I think Ender is the guy who I think is going to play the most with Marquez on the shelf as currently constructed. But how they mix and match Joyce, Camargo, when Dansby comes back, at least with Camargo. I think Camargo's going to play a lot until they, Dansby comes back, but you have Camargo, you have Culberson, you have Riley, you have Duvall and Joyce. That's five options, which is good. Um, I, I got six with Ender, so six guys for two spots alongside Ronald Acuna. It's good to have options, but none of them are perfect options.
1: No, they're not, and it takes away from something the Braves have really benefited from this year, which is really good depth, and if all of a sudden you're having to start um, say Adam Duval and Ender in two of those spots, you lose, um, a good right-handed power bat. You lose a defensive replacement later in the game. Um, it, it's something that's only going to take away. You mentioned Austin Riley. I'm not really sure what to do. I thought for a while now they should send him back down. And I get the argument for, he's not going to learn how to hit big league pitching in the minor leagues, but I'm also not sure that him going up and striking out on four pitches every time he goes up. Is really going to be constructive his yeah. development either. I mean, he, yeah, I mean his swing is. Go ahead. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, he, his swing is a mess. I mean, you don't need twenty years of scouting to see the problems with his swing right now. He's early on everything that's breaking. Uh, he's late on everything that's hard. He can't get to the uh, the the fastball up in the zone. And I mean, for weeks, it was it was one of those things I would tweet fairly regularly. It's like big league pitchers are not going to throw strikes to Riley anymore until he proves he can lay off of them.
0: Well, it's the Jeff Francor thing. I mean, it's just it's it's pretty yeah. much the exact same thing. And great. It's not like perfectly the same, but, you know, there's no reason to throw him stuff that he can hit right now. And, and guys figured it out. And this doesn't mean he, that he won't adjust. But, you know, I, I'm always pretty consistent, I think, on this podcast and saying that I, I like guys to play every day and figure it out. But the counter-argument to that, and one that I'll make now, is that um, I know the Braves have a lead in division, but you can't afford, in the middle of a playoff race like this, to have a guy out there that's been as bad as he's been um, yeah. regularly. And I am, again, all for high-end high, high, end, high end prospects playing and just working themselves out, but there is a dividing line, which I think we've probably crossed at this point, where you can't afford to have him out there every day. Um, mm-hmm. So... I'm with you. I think perfect world, you would send him to Gwinnett. Um, It's harder to do that now because of the Marquez injury. Um, Duvall being up does take away a little bit of that. So you you can kind of have Duvall be the, you know, pseudo everyday guy in in a core alpha spot if you wanted to do that for a while. But Riley, um, it's it's not helping, Um, you know, because when Riley was first up and going, the lineup looked terrifying. And now Riley in his current state does not make that same feeling. And without without the benefits of, like, he's not going to bring a ton of value defensively in core outfield spots. There's not, like, it's not like enter Enciarte where he can bring value in other ways. Right. He's got to have to hit, or he's not worth playing. Um, So, it, it's it's weird. I'm kind of in favor of setting him down for a while, see what he does in, in, in the minors. And I understand the point that you're making, to be sure, about not being, sh- you know, not being confident that's going to, like, just fix him. But you just can't afford to have him up there at, at a certain point. So, yeah. Yep. Not a perfect situation, I will say. I mean, here's here's a question for you. What do we know for a fact? Outside of Ronald Acuna, what do we absolutely trust and know out of all these options? For me, it's Matt Joyce against right-handed pitching as a bat only. And then you have Ender. Um, Ender defensively, I trust. And mm-hmm. that's kind of it. Uh, on all the way across the board. I think Culberson, obviously, is a valuable bench piece the last couple years. He's hit better than I ever thought he was going to hit. Um, But I I don't want to be starting Charlie Culberson regularly, frankly. Um, And and I thought we knew Camargo was going to match left-handed pitching, but then this year he hasn't really done that. It's a pretty small sample. I think his career numbers are more trustworthy against left-handed pitching than this year's tiny sample. But, I mean, we don't really know, like flat-out know all that much. About yeah. all these guys, it's 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 going to leave a lot to the imagination, and I kind of feel feel bad is the wrong word. I uh, I sympathize with, with Brian Snicker right now because there's not a lot of perfect options. I mean, there's there's logical things that he can do, like putting guys in the best possible position to, to succeed. Like easy stuff, like not playing Ender against lefties. That's an easy one. But aside from that, man, like against a right-handed pitcher, who's your starting outfield right now? I think for me, it's Acuna, Ender, and question mark. Uh, you could. Talk, talk me into Joyce. You could talk me into Duvall if you wanted to. Um, I guess lefties. It's kind of the same thing because if you if you take if you take Ender out, you got to play Acuna in center field, and then you're looking at I don't know Duvall and X. I don't even. I mean, I guess Riley. I'm not sure. Like, there's not. I'm talking myself out of this even 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 as we're discussing this because there's just not perfect options. We only know. I don't know. For me, it's it's basically Acuna all the time obviously and then against right-handed pitching I want Ender in there and everything else that means two spots against lefties and one spot against righties is up in the air for me and that's not that's not great man we're talking about late august on a, i mean sorry late july on a team that's trying to compete that's a lot of uncertainty
1: yeah i think it just reinforces the point even more that they need to go out and add some kind of a bat um it, the problem as you said is is the Braves this year they want to they want to win the division. They want to win the playoff series for the first time in basically two decades. And they want to win a World Series. I think if you walked in that clubhouse <laughs> right now and said, oh. Do you guys think you can win a World Series this year? I would, I would at least I would hope the answer would be yes. Um, Certainly. I just don't think there are enough reliable options, proven commodities, as you just went through that list there, where you f- truly feel good um, truly feel good about those options. If they had to start, you know, game one of a playoff series. Um, I, and I think the other thing that, that just kind of reinforces this is you look around and there are a handful, and I don't want to go too deep into this hole of, you know, who should they trade for, but go look at a list of the, you know, trade candidates. There's a probably half dozen outfielders in some way, shape or another who all would, who would all fit with the Braves and guys who would be, uh, significant upgrades over those four or five names you just listed off. So, um, in the meantime, until that happens, I'm with you. I think Ender's a guy who you're playing him always against righties. Um, he's he, again, he's historically been somebody who's been better offensively in the second half um maybe it's it's just a thing with him and he's better in the second half of the year and if that's the case he's he's hit pretty well over the last weekend um you know Adam Duvall isn't going to embarrass you but he's not great Joyce again as you said he's almost an automatic pull if it's a left-handed player and and he or a left-handed pitcher comes in and and he's not going to win you a gold glove out there so <laughs> no. um, it, it's a bad situation to be sure um I don't know again I'm I'm in favor of not letting Austin Riley strike out four times a night which he's basically done the last couple weeks uh, and that's not his fault. He's 22 years old. The pig league pitchers are adjusting to him for the first time, and and every hitter goes through that. Especially when uh, you you know I think it was Jeff Francoeur uh, said the other day, and he's somebody who would certainly know. But whenever you come up and set the world on fire, all of a sudden you're not this rookie that pitchers don't care about, and they just think, oh well, we don't have much info on him. I'm gonna I'm gonna strike him out. You <laughs> know, teams started scouting him heavily because he was killing them every night. When you when you have a guy who was homering seemingly every other night. Teams are going to really start to dig in on you and try to figure out where they can get you out, and obviously they've done that. Um, and it's tough to make those adjustments for him to to adjust to the adjustments, if you will, when you have maybe fifty games left in the season and the Braves are trying to win a playoff or win a division, make the playoffs. So um, a tricky situation all the way around. And I'm one. I'm hoping at least over the next three days that we get some clarity into.
0: Yeah, and to your point, uh, we, we could move on eventually. Uh, to your point about adding a. A bat on the trade market, you know, it's not a situation where Marquecas is a long-term option for you that you're worried about, like, trading over and blocking, Does that makes sense. Like, you know, you have Acuna. Acuna is the only guy on your outfield right now that you absolutely know is going to be in your outfield two years from now, Um you know Riley, I think will be in the organization, but is he playing third base after Donaldson leaves, et cetera? There's there's some there's some uncertainty there, and of course just with with this uh, slight downturn, um, and then Ender is under contract, but as we've already seen this year, he's not necessarily a part of your long term plan as a you know foundational piece. So if you trade for a corner outfielder or a center fielder, if you wanted to go that route uh, and play uh, Cunha in, in a corner, that's not going to block anything. Like there's no reason why you wouldn't do that. Marquecas can come back and be a supporting piece when he comes back off, off of the IL in September if that happens. Like, he doesn't need to be... He's not someone who's good enough where you have to hold that spot ready for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, so exactly. You, you go, out, go out and get a guy. If there's a guy available to you that makes your team better, um, that's the spot to do it in the lineup now. Like, that was one of the things we, that we talked about a couple of times, I think even like a month ago, is there wasn't an absolutely clear upgrade spot given the way that the, the Braves feel about Um That was the spot that we pointed to a, a ton of times over the last year plus, but the Braves clearly value him more than we do which I understand um so but now that there's no uncertainty like corner outfield is is your weakness in the lineup um and pitching still exists that's still the spot where I think I'm even more terrified um but corner outfield is now officially a uh I mean problem is probably too strong but it's certainly a concern
1: at this yeah, point an area that they can improve and it was an area that they could improve even before the injury to Nick. Yep, I mean, I agree. It, they, they could have used a legitimate right-handed bat to, to complement and, you know, and, and, you know, not, we spent 20 minutes on this and I think I would imagine people have kind of gotten our general gist of things, but it was an area that, that could be improved on a good team and one that now obviously is one that, uh, could be improved or needs to be improved even more.
0: Absolutely, and uh, all right. We're gonna break for a second. We'll come back after this word from our sponsors. We'll talk more about Dansby Swanson and the deadline, et cetera, et cetera. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. All right, Scott. um, Let's talk about Dansby real quick. I know we we glossed over that a little bit. Uh, He was injured on a slide over the weekend. Uh, Apparently, gonna be back in the near future. For now, it's gonna be. It seems like Camargo and Culberson are the options. That makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, I don't really have too much to say about Dansby. I just want to make sure we at least referenced it a little bit more. Um, Mm. Provided he is healthy. There's no, you know, no uh, uncertainty here. He's the guy for you at shortstop. And in the meantime, it's nice to have options. I mean, if if you knew if you knew that he was out for the season, which he's not going to be, I I would be the guy uh, arguing that they should go to Ozzy at shortstop. But until then, uh, and they don't have that information now, nor, nor will they hopefully. Um, Camargo and Culberson will get the job done for ten days.
1: Yeah, yeah. Camargo's has the arm for shortstop. Not ideal the way he's swung the bat this year. Um, but it does seem like the fact that the Braves made the Dansby IL, uh, retroactive three days was encouraging. Whenever you see that, you think, okay, he's, he's probably going to be fine. Um, yeah, it seems like he kind of hurt his heel when he was, he caught his spike trying to slide into a base a couple days ago. And, and it, I guess he was walking with a pretty good sized lamp and given his history, uh, a guy who's kind of hidden injuries in the past, or at least tried to play through them. Um, I, I think it's a worthwhile thing. Give him give him the ten days off. He had already missed two days by the time they put him on the IL. And with the off days, um, you know, it's not ideal. Anytime you lose your starting shortstop and and a guy who had been batting number two for a while, uh, it wasn't ideal. But yeah, it seems um, at least publicly everything we've heard and read. Uh, I would imagine within seven days or whenever his uh, IL stint is up, he'll be back out there.
0: Yeah, and I said this before, but Dansby has just been a league average bat or so this year. The power has been nice. The 17 home runs, a career high by, uh, you know, on the way to a big-time career high, but already already there. Um and at 104 WRC+, Plus. so he's, he's been a solid bat, and when you combine that with his defense, which is uh, quite solid at shortstop, you have a good player. And he's on pace for, like, you know, two and a half, three wins for the season. That's a very good player, and uh, it's, it's a real loss for you. Hopefully, he'll be back in a week or so, and uh, we we'll want to talk about that again <laughs> in the future, because that, that's a pretty easy one, uh, as opposed to the corner uh, outfield spots. Yeah. Um, Deadline stuff, there, there really isn't any new rumors, like actual full-fledged rumors. There was a, a rumor about Jake Diekman, uh, who was immediately traded um, elsewhere. And then Strowman has been a guy we talked about a ton. It's now going to the Mets. Um I thought this this Buster only tweet was interesting to me, um, and he tweeted this on Saturday night, so about a full day ago now. He said the Braves have been digging into the starting pitching market, but part of their assessment will be based on what they see out of their own rotation in the next forty eight hours. That mentioned Kevin Gosman and Max Freed, who, who we've now seen pitch. Gosman was not great today. Um... And that's what we're talking about, just a little bit of the way way things went this week, and I feel like we're we're talking about most of the stuff that's looking forward, but they did play five games this week, so we we should at least least reference them, uh, at least through the prism of this. But Gosman... Uh, one good start, one shaky start is the way I would describe today. And then Freed was just okay on Saturday. Um, there was some babip stuff and some uh, unlucky homers that he gave up. Um, but if your stadium it,
1: is terrible, yeah, I that hate was, that,
0: that was that was weird. There was at least what two like pretty much pop ups that got they got out of that stadium. Oh, like, off Max
1: teams Saturday and Sunday. I mean, obviously he didn't come back to hurt on and Real Muto's grand slam off Gosman today was a legitimate you know, out in any stadium shot. Yeah, he thumped that. There was, there was two of them yesterday and at least one today that were like first row and left field homers that are just absolutely killers.
0: Yeah, so free didn't look as bad as uh, you might think by the numbers. Um, but, I mean, if, if, if Buster is to be believed there that the Braves are really, you know, assessing, I, you know, first of all, I would be uh, wary. And it's the same thing as, as Duvall. I'd be wary of banking on two days of starts um, when planning for trade on that stuff. So I'm hoping that's not really the case. But if the Braves were planning on, you know, how hard they go in the trade market based on what they saw from Freed and Gosman, where do you stand on this? I mean, I, I was going to ask you this uh, later, but it's just I'll, I'll just do it now as part of this. What's the priority for you? Like, is starting pitching number one for you um, in terms of, the, of what you would want them to go out and get? Is it bullpen? Is it corner outfield? Like, is starting pitching a huge need for you right now? Because I feel like I've on the record on this so many times, but I wanted to ask you.
1: Yeah, I mean, Alex and Anthopoulos even said it the other day, it almost seems like it changes by the day, yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, if, if I had to prioritize it, I would probably say it would go bullpen one, rotation two, outfield three, but I think they need all three of those things. Yeah, I they're all they pretty a,
0: close. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, they, they have a good enough team, that, and, and they have the prospects and supposedly have the money that if... You know, this isn't a team that isn't that has the 30th ranked farm system here, and they have no chance of acquiring anybody. Um, and I'm not saying that you suddenly open up the prospect vault and give everybody away to, for a chance to win uh, a playoff series or two this year. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think in the playoffs, we have seen time and time again, bullpens become so important in the playoffs when starters mm-hmm. usually only go five or six innings, unless it's someone like a you know a Max Scherzer type guy who you're going to leave out there no matter what. Um, they legitimately have like three good relievers on the roster right now. And good is, is kind of an open for interpretation word. I mean, Luke Jackson has been good. Uh, whenever you struggle in the ninth inning, it gets magnified. Um, Anthony Swarzak, if his shoulder holds up has been uh, a godsend this year. And then Sean Newcomb, even though he struggled, uh, today has been pretty good. But other than that, there's just not a whole lot of guys on this roster who, you feel super comfortable about if, you know, if it's a five, four lead in the eighth inning against a really good Dodgers lineup or a really good Cubs lineup or whoever they're facing, there's only so many guys on this roster who you're going to realistically feel comfortable giving the ball to. So for that reason, I'll say the bullpen is probably the, like the one, a priority. I do think, you know, you look at the one through four of Keiko Soroka Tehran and and freed is pretty good. Um, it's maybe not great. It's maybe not optimal for a short playoff series, but I think it's at least enough to get them to the finish line, especially with the five and a half game lead in the division uh, at the end of July. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, as I just said, I, I would be in favor of adding one of all three. I think they should. Um, who knows where the market is going to go over the next three days and who's going to be out there, what the front office is working on. Um, but for me, at least, I, I think as of you know nine thirty Eastern on Sunday night. I think bullpen is probably my top priority.
0: Yeah, I think you're uh, probably right on that. I mean, I could be convinced in either direction, in any of the directions, because, you know, it kind of depends on what you're going to do with your rotation uh, and how you're going to use your pitching staff in the playoffs. Um, I agree that if the Braves were to go in the way that a lot of other teams have gone recently in the playoffs with a really, really short leash on starting pitching and go bullpen heavy, man, if they did that with this bullpen, it would be ugly. Um, they they don't have the they, options. They could to not do, that. do it.
1: Yeah, they could yeah. not do it.
0: So if you're going to do that, you need Bill help. Number one, I would agree with you. Um, to counter that a little bit, I would say um, my question to you would be if uh, so. What's a game? We'll, we'll say game three of the NLDS. We we assume Mike Soroka and Dallas Keuchel in some order in game one and two. I would say game three of the NLDS. Who hmm. would you want to pitch in that game?
1: Oh my God. Um... It would probably depend on the opponent. It would be kind of the way, like if it. I mean, right now, it, barring something weird happening with the standings, it's almost a lock. The Dodgers are going to be the one seed. Your confidence is
0: overwhelming, by the way. Regardless of who we're talking about here, your confidence is just going to be off the charts. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: So, I mean, I, I would kind of like to see Max Freed as a hybrid bullpen weapon in a short playoff series. So, I. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would as things stand, I would probably give the ball to Julio Tehran in game 3 of a playoff series, which is a little scary. Um Yeah, but it's more than, than a little on... scary. I mean, that's really
0: <laughs> why I'm asking is like, okay, here here's the thing. Uh, Julio's season long ERA is 3.42. It's that good. is uh, a
1: really that's good. very solid. Um does anyone believe he's that pitcher? No. Okay. No, and, and he's been really good against bad teams. I mean, he has. I been. Know, and listen, it's like,
0: not a shot at Julio. Like, in fact, he's been better than I thought he was going to be this year. So, all all credit to Julio. He's not been a problem at all this season. But in a, in a playoff game, I, I do not trust Julio Tehran in any way, shape, or form. Um, and Max Freed, even if you were all in on Max on the Max Freed experience, um, you know his his first four appearances of the season, he did not allow a run. I think in like the first thirteen or so innings that he that he appeared in this season. Since then, he's the raced four point eight one. So, yeah. I, I'm a Max Freed fan. I've always been a Max Freed fan, but he's not someone who I'm elated by either in a playoff series. Like, his upside's a lot higher. So, if you're looking for upside with a, with a short leash and a, and, a, and a long bullpen, he would be the choice. But all that to say, it's very easy to argue that they needed a, need a third starter. Um, yeah. So... Again, there's no right answers or wrong answers. I think they need a lot of things, um, which is why all of the popular you know, combination trades are out there. Some of the stuff we got in, in our mailbag this week, we're like, which starter or reliever combination do you guys want? And it's like, well, it's always fun to talk about those. They don't usually happen. Um, sometimes they do, but most of the time, it's really hard to align a trade for two
1: yeah, guys teams.
0: on the same team in the same yeah, trade.
1: Team split them up.
0: Yep. It's just, not, yeah, because for, for that team usually you're better off getting value um, and training them separately just because that's the way that works. Now, the Braves might be a perfect storm because they absolutely need both. So, yeah, maybe you know, pick your pick your poisons on your favorite starter-reliever combination. Maybe that makes sense for the Braves, and then maybe they'll pay market value for that guy. Sorry, for those two guys. But normally, those deals are fun in theory, and they very rarely happen. So they're going to have to do something. And I think my, my overarching takeaway here as we head into the deadline on Wednesday is um, – you know the Braves are good as they are right now. They are a good baseball team. I don't think they're necessarily a World Series baseball team right now, as currently constructed. And I'm not going to feel like they are unless they address both problems. And it's just hard to do that. I mean, I'll, I'll, Anthopolis is active, and I think he always works in a very quiet way. We've seen that now to where, you know, he's not always linked on the rumor mill. It's pretty quiet the way he does things.
1: Yeah, so you he might hear just about drop anything. Yeah,
0: yeah, it he might, it might just drop on Wednesday. We won't know. But I think they're going to have to do. For me, I won't feel super great about all of this unless they address both starter and reliever. And that's just it's just hard to do, man. We're talking about right now, it's the night of the 28th, and the deadline's the 31st. You know, you can make trades in the next couple of days, but that's two upgrades you really need. And honestly, in a bullpen, you need more than one. <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah. they need more than one bullpen arm. Like, they, they absolutely need one, but they probably need two. It's tough.
1: Yeah, it is, and with this year being it's even more complicated this year because you have like 18 teams who are legitimately trying to make the, well, 10 playoff spots, four of which are one or, you know, require the one one game game playoff spots. Yeah. Um, It's just such a weird, just, it's kind of the perfect storm of, of just weird all the way around. I will say, you know, it's, it's July 28th right now. Um, I went back and looked. July 27th last year was when the Braves made their first move. They got Johnny Venters uh, from Tampa for cash consideration, which helped. That was helpful. Um, July 29th. So tomorrow is one year since they got um, Brad Brock from the Orioles again for cash considerations. <laughs> um, and then uh, July 30th, two days from now, was when they got Duvall and they shipped uh, Whistler Blair and just kind of cleared up some of that forty. Uh, you know, the space they needed the on the 40 roster. roster. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they got the Gosman deal done, uh, the Gosman O'Day deal done on, right before the deadline at on the first So um, I'd seen a little bit. People, I think, have realized just around all of baseball prior to the Marcus Stroman deal, there's been very little movement. So I haven't seen a ton of the, you know, what the hell is Alex Anthopoulos doing? Uh, it's just <laughs> been a slower market. And I think people expected that. But at the same time, I, I thought it was worth pointing out that, even last year, when the market was moving a little bit better, it was really the last two or three days before the deadline before anything that's really how it, got.
0: Yeah, ting- how, how, I feel like it's all. I feel like that's how it always is. Like, Stroman happening today is not super early. It's the twenty eighth. It's it's time, but it's not like it's a weird thing that it that's not that nothing's happened so far. It's it's kind of like I expect the most deals to happen Tuesday and Wednesday, and if they do, they do. Um. Oh, something I wanted to ask you that I did not prep you for. So my apologies. Um. Wh- Potential X factor. I can't remember who asked me this, so my apologies to whoever this was on Twitter that put this thought in my mind. Um, you could, and you mentioned Fried earlier as a bullpen option, which is why I was thinking about this. Um, what are the chances Mike Fulton had, is, is a bullpen option?
1: I think Kevin Gosman has a better chance of being a or Kevin Gosman.
0: Hmm, yeah,
1: I, I think Gosman with the fastball. I mean, we've seen Gosman go out there and just dominate hitters at times this year. I think with the fastball split, the problem is as we saw today and in countless other starts after a time or two when you only have two pitches. I know I kind of laughed when we heard that he had developed two pitches suddenly in the minor leagues and was going to yeah. like use He's them a four pitch guy. as if, uh, as if, you know, anybody can just go to the minor leagues and develop two good pitches in four weeks. Um, like it takes guys years to develop their pitches and supposedly he added to anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, faulty I don't personally think there's a super good chance of it. I guess he could, he certainly has the stuff for it when it's on. Um, I think if the Braves are going to use him, it's going to be back in the rotation. He's had two pretty good starts in a row with Gwinnett. Um, I think Gosman's a guy who is like the obvious bullpen move right now. Um, You talked about needing to add multiple guys. I think he's somebody who, I mean, he already sits like mid upper nineties with his fastball. If he knew he 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 might be, he might be filthy.
0: That's that's a good point.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, he only needed to throw 30 pitches and it's, Hey, go rear back and throw it hard and then drop a split out splitter out there every now and then. Um, I think I would be more in favor of shifting him to the bullpen than Fulty.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. I, I was really I was more thinking about in a playoff series where, you know, mm-hmm. your normal roles are out the window and you basically have three starters, maybe four, but three starters and then everybody else is get out there when you get out there. Um yeah. I think you have you might um at least at that point in time, if you want to make a counter argument that you need started pitching more than relief pitching, if you were planning on using guys like Fulty and Gosman in the bullpen and Freed in the bullpen when you get there, um, I could sort of see that line of thinking. Um, Freed has done it in the past. Gosman, I think, I, I definitely agree with you, and I, and I should have breached him, so I'm glad you did. He would be filthy, and I think faulty obviously, if he's going to be able to throw as hard as he's able to throw, that might work in a bullpen setting. It's just worth noting, and the Braves, of course, also have their other... Young arms, if they wanted to get weird, your Bryce Wilsons, your Tukeys, that that you know, your Kyle Wrights, even like those guys are not necessarily perfect options, but they are options in a playoff series if you were to get there in the bullpen. So it doesn't have to be traditional relievers always. Because again, if they want to go with the short the short leash stuff the way that other teams do, you need some even multi inning relief guys. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, they don't really have you know Josh Tomlin isn't going to. It isn't going to scare anyone in a playoff series. No, it's
1: Jerry Blevins. <laughs> I mean, like Jerry Blevins should face like one left-handed reliever. That is why he's on the roster, I
0: would imagine. Uh, uh, to face but in guy. a
1: playoff series, you can't have a guy who's only going to face one left. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, yeah, it's you, a have good to, point. you have to kind of have a little bit more of a, a versatility with your guys in the bullpen than um, than any. You know, ideally, you don't have too many innings either in a short playoff series, where if you have three bad games, you're going home.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, and by the way, we should mention—at least I should have said this before. Uh, Jeremy Walker is now a major league baseball player for the first time. Uh, he came up this week. I did not see—I did not see him pitch, so I have no thoughts. Um, I asked a couple of our, of our prospect guys. He's, he's pitched twice now and did not allow a run in either appearance. Um, our prospect guys like him for, for whatever it's worth. hes he got, hes gotten some positive reviews from our guys that watch minor yep. league baseball. Um, I have no other thoughts on him unless you do. But he's someone who—yeah, stuff looked good. Yeah, we, we, we don't know that he's bad, which is a good thing. <laughs> Compared yeah, to some had, other guys he that are on, that tremendous are numbers in
1: the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, and, and Shane Carl's yeah, been he,
0: DFA'd, by the way, just for uh, housekeeping matters. Shane Carl, not a thing anymore. Uh, yeah. He was traded to like, Texas after the DFA.
1: He had those amazing, what was it, like six weeks at the start of last year when we had yeah, yeah, like, oh, like, the like the point 0.5 like, yeah. for like a month? Yeah, yeah. he was like, like an all star, and then the wheels fell off. And I, I mean, look, it. That was kind of to be expected, as we Open know, relievers. Arms. If you get more than one good year out of them, it's it's a good thing, just with the the volatility of them. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean Walker, as you said, good numbers, and see what you got.
0: Yeah, he's uh, just for sort of my nose. If you're not not familiar with him, he's 20, 24 year old right hander, um, a former, I believe, a fifth round pick a few years ago. So, uh, right. pr- pretty good arm, and we'll see how that looks. Um, any thoughts on the actual performance this week of the team? I mean, they went two and three. It was a very frustrating mini sweep against the Royals, who are bad. Um, that doesn't sit well with everybody, but they came back, I think um, removed some of the sour taste with back-to-back wins Friday and Saturday before losing earlier today. And even with a two and three week, they're five and a half games up in the NLE, so that's, that's a good thing. But um, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, it's kind of been overshadowed by the injuries and the deadline stuff, but the on-field the on- performance was not ideal this
1: week. No, it wasn't. And it's funny. I think we were talking on Tuesday uh, that everyone could just kind of see the Royals coming in and having like the best series of their year against the Braves. They've been playing a little bit better since their terrible start. Um, So, yeah, I mean, not to make excuses, you need to beat the bad teams Uh, to lose two games of the Royals was, was pretty bad. But then, like you said, they came back and, and the bats woke up in a big way against um, against the Phillies on Friday and Saturday, and then to lose, uh, I, I looked it up today. So the Phillies in the last nine games against the Braves, uh, they are 3-0 and in Aaron Nola's starts, and they are 0-6 in all of their games against the Braves. So, I mean, the fact that for the second series in a row now against the Braves, the Phillies have altered their starting rotation in order to get Nola to start against the Braves, And I get why they do it. It's because they're, you know, seven games back or whatever it is. But the fact that the Phillies almost have desperation have to turn to Nola because uh, they can't even with Nola. The Braves still scored a handful of runs today uh, before the bullpen kind of let it get out of hand a little bit. Um, Yeah, so it's not the best week. You want to go a little better in two and three, obviously, against the Royals and Phillies. But to win two out of three this weekend in Philly um, and, and while the Nationals lost two out of three to the Dodgers, which was a help. Um, you know, again, it's just it's another five or six days scratched off the calendar and you have the same division lead. Uh, that's all you can really ask for at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're obviously in great shape. Uh, all the systems think they still have a 90 percent chance or more to make the playoffs. They're a comfortable, comfortable lead in the NL East and over everybody but the Dodgers in the National League. So um, no issues, really. It's just, you know, it's it's definitely a rich people problem kind of thing to talk about the world series and the playoffs, as much as we have been on this podcast, um, you know, you never want to assume anything. It's not over. The Braves could certainly collapse. We've we've seen seen that happen before uh, just a few years ago, but Uh. um, it's not as if uh, anyone's really worried about missing the playoffs, which allows you to think big. And that's what we're, that's what we've been doing on this podcast, to just talk about the playoffs and, you know, trying to challenge the Dodgers. We've talked about the Dodgers plenty in the last couple of weeks. I think the Dodgers are a lot better than the Braves are, but, you know, it's baseball and when things happen, you want to put yourself in the best position possible to go out and make a run at the World Series, and that's a realistic goal. Now, is it something that you can bank on? I, I tweeted the World Series odds earlier this week, and none of them were like more than like 9%, which is just a, a little bit of a reminder of the, you know, the the task at hand, it's not very likely that the Braves are going to win the World Series. Even if they were to go out and make two big moves, they're still not going to be a favorite to win the World Series. Uh, but you know, when, when you're as good as they've been this year, when, when you have this record, you have to try to go out and do that and push a little bit. Do you go all in at the expense of the future? I, I don't think so, but you definitely have, to, you have a responsibility, I think, to go out and make this team better to go out and try to win the World Series, and that's where they are right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's a fine line. I mean, we wrote about it on the on the site this past week. It's you know you don't want to start mortgaging the future, and all of a sudden, what looks to be a really big window of contention for the Braves, it gets shut by four years because you you go all out at a trade deadline, and maybe you win a playoff series, but then you get stomped by the Dodgers, and and you know then you're and then all of a sudden you've given up uh, a good chunk of your farm system to really kind of go for it this next year or two. Um, but for the sake of going for it and winning games and winning a playoff series for the first time in 19 years or whatever it's been. Um, they do Alex and Anthop- and, and historically Anthopolis has always been aggressive. He's when we he was with Toronto, um, and, and really with the Braves. I mean, he made four trades in the span of four days last year leading up to the deadline. Um, just because he hasn't done something yet doesn't mean he won't do it. Uh, <laughs> now it might not be the gigantic splash. Not that there's very many big splashes to be had out there. Um, but I do think that it's a, he, he's not dumb. He he knows what he's doing. The front office is, knows what they're doing. Um, he's just kind of looking for the right value. He's not going to overpay for somebody. I think that's pretty obvious now after him being in charge for uh, a year and a half now with the Braves. Um, it's just kind of waiting and seeing where the right deal comes and, and then improving the team wherever he can.
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't really have any worry about the front office. Honestly, um, you know whether he's able to pull off. Moves that we are just absolutely in love with is another thing altogether, but I I don't really, I think the the Braves have a very good GM, and I'm not worried about that spot at all within the organization, so worth pointing that out, Uh, and uh, I guess I'll hold myself to that if I don't like what they do in the next couple days, but uh, I still like Alex Anthopoulos, I think he's very good at his job, so we'll handle that. As it comes, uh, Scott. Anything else that you wanted to hit on here? I mean, we could talk more about baseball, but um, that's we could say that for August because um, right now the deadline's coming. I am fully prepared for a trade to happen in the next like four hours and yeah. make all of this irrelevant. But um, anything else you, that you want to get out for your chest before the uh, deadline comes? Because <laughs> as of now, the plan is not to record and until after the deadline, unless there's like a blockbuster on Monday or something. Uh, I think we're gonna wait until after the deadline, you know, sort of passes to collect my thoughts. But uh, please yeah. share anything else that you'd like to.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I was hoping, I was kind of hoping this afternoon, as I knew we were going to record this later tonight, that we would get something. And then there was talk that Marcus Stroman had been traded. And of course, he ended up going to the Mets, which was really weird. And we Still could so talk weird. talk for an weird. hour on, on that. And Brody Van Wagen is trying to corner the entire starting pitching market with 70 hours to go before the deadline. I, I don't know. So anyway... Um, no, hopefully the next three days are, are entertaining and give us something to talk about the next time we do one of these. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and again, it's it's fun. I mean, I know that there hasn't been a ton of movement, but you think about prior trade deadlines for the Braves before last year, and it was it wasn't who's out there. How are we going to improve this team for a playoff run? It's well, let's trade away player X, Y, and Z to to add some you know some more prospect depth. So um, should be fun. If it, like you said, if a big one goes down, we'll 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 talk about it. I'm sure, but. Uh, until then, it's just kind of wait-and-see mode. Yeah, it's very
0: different than it was a few years ago when you and I were doing this podcast, um, talking about selling off. And uh, they're not selling. We could pretty much say that with confidence at this point. And um, I will be stunned if the Braves don't add someone between now and Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Now, yeah. does that mean it's going to be a, a headliner? You know, maybe not. But they're going to do something. I, I mean, I think the entire world would be floored if he was, if was just like, no, we're good. We'll stay pat. Yeah, that's not guy- gonna
1: happen the guy who dropped $13 million on Dallas Keuchel in like the middle of June, I have a hard time imagining he does that and then does, you know, is unwilling to let go of a couple of his B and C level prospects to add a lading reliever. I don't know. Maybe we're both wrong and we'll have our, our torches and pitchforks out, but I would be pretty stunned, um, you know, to, to make that Keuchel move to do nothing at the deadline would be a real surprise. It may not be a big deal. It might just be a couple of, you know, good, Late inning relievers, and you figure you're going to mix and match your closer situation, but yeah, I I just can't imagine him not doing anything. Yeah, by the way, I'm
0: guilty of this, but um, we should remember that Keuchel was a midseason a midseason deal. Um, If that if that deal happened now, um, it would get a lot more attention. Uh, Just so that's worth noting. It's it's not like the Braves didn't haven't done anything already. Like Keuchel isn't a deadline move, but they they made a big time investment midseason, <laughs> that did happen uh so i am again guilty as, as guilty as anybody about not talking about Keiko like he's a new thing but he's only been in the, in the organization for what seven eight weeks like yeah. it's not been that long um so that that did happen they've already done a little bit during the year to invest but i agree if there's something's going to happen it might be an anonymous reliever but uh i feel confident in saying the, the 25-man roster will be different uh, on wednesday afternoon than it is now
1: yeah me too
0: Alright, we'll leave it there, Scott, and uh, we'll talk, I'm sure, in the very, very near future. Please plug yourself if we have any new listeners today, which which could happen because it's deadline time. More interest this time of year than normal, so please tell people where they can find you on Twitter and all that stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, as always, check out the site. Uh, I'm at ScottColeman55 on Twitter to hear my random musings on baseball and whatever else may be, uh, <laughs> may be going on that day and uh, lots of good stuff. So yeah, ScottColeman55 and um, as always, be sure to check out the site, chops.
0: And uh, as for me, you can follow me if you want to. And, uh, you know, Hawk stuff, mostly. But <laughs> Brave stuff every once in a while. And uh, yeah. making fun of the Mets. Because the Mets, for the third time on this podcast, the Mets make no sense. And I take great, great joy. As someone who is my age, uh, I am I am the age of someone who would hate the Mets as a Braves fan. Um, you know, most, I think, young Braves fans don't really hate the Mets. As much, because the bets have been bad for a while. And they're just kind of been like yeah, the, they... uh, the, the rumbling, bubbling, stumbling team. But they yeah, used to be good.
1: that the other day. Yeah, so like the Mets, when they've been good the last 20 years, the Braves really haven't been good. Right. But when the Braves have been good, the Mets have kind of been the, the joke of the league. Yeah.
0: There was the one run um, during, you know, Chipper's absolute peak when he just absolutely tormented the Mets um, for years on end. And that's, I, I was at a very impressionable age at that point in time. So I absolutely hate <laughs> the Mets. Um, yeah. So I always take joy in when the Mets do weird things and by the way i love Strowman. i talked about this last week he was the guy that i i, I picked um when eric asked me to pick one guy that the braves could trade for i think i picked Strowman. um so he's off the market which is unfortunate and i just don't really understand what the mets are doing but they did trade for a good pitcher so you can't be that upset about yeah. it it's just kind I of mean, funny.
1: they have the best they have like the best starting rotation in baseball now and they're yeah, to 11 games out of the east they have like eight teams ahead of them in the wild cards i mean Uh, A couple of Mets people were like, well, they're only six games out of a wild card. Yeah, with seven teams ahead of them. Yeah, and six games games on
0: July 28th is a long way, particularly when they've won four in a row. Like, the Mets just won four in a row to get to five games under 500. Like, they they are not a thing, Uh, even with the rotation they have now. It's an asset play, I would imagine. I think they're just, you know, it's not like is a rental. If he was a rental, it would be, you know, hilarious um, mm-hmm. He's not a rental, which makes it more palatable. But anyway, I just enjoy talking about the Mets. So maybe I'll do a maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a Mets spinoff podcast on the same feed. And we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll just make fun of the Mets like half hour a week. It'd be great.
1: Unlimited but, content with
0: that. It would. It really would be unlimited content. Anyway, we're rambling. Thank you, Scott, for joining me as always uh oh by the way a plea if you were listening to this podcast if you enjoy our content um both this show and road to atlanta please subscribe to this feed you get both podcasts for the price of one which is zero dollars and zero cents every once in a while you have to listen to us do an ad but that's a pretty small price to pay for content and i really appreciate it. everybody's already done that but please go ahead and subscribe uh tell your friends as well we really appreciate it and uh, we will be back again At the very latest, I think we're probably going to record Wednesday night, Um, but um, we'll see. If if, if they do nothing, maybe I won't record, but again, we're on record as saying something's going to happen, and we'll talk about it uh, probably in the middle of the week, so please stay tuned for that. Thanks to Scott, and we'll see you everybody next time.